teachers, I'm Carly Walton, and this is the Teach Music Online podcast, your number one resource for innovative online music teaching. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to share with you a teacher spotlight interview with one of our Teach Music Online members, Anna Marie. I reached out to Anna Marie because she is amazing at working with beginner students. And when you hear her fascinating story at how she got into teaching music in the first place, you'll know exactly why. Her modern approach to working with her piano students is so inspiring. I know that you're going to get a ton of ideas from her and you're also going to enjoy her happy and easygoing fun personality. Here's my interview with Anna Marie. Welcome, Anna Marie, to our Teacher Spotlight interview today. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so flattered you asked. Let's chat a little bit more about your musical background, where your studio is located, and kind of what got you to the place that you're at now. So I might be one of the teachers that makes other teachers mad. We'll just start with that. Um, when When I first started out, I was an opera major. And uh, I only started taking piano at the age of 14. So I had no like preconceived notion of what young piano lessons should look like. So I graduated from university. By this time I had dropped my music major because I said, okay, BB King did not have a music major to sing. So I don't need one either. (laughs) And I I had uh, department heads that I wasn't always agreeing with. So I, uh, just before graduation, I fell and ripped all the ligaments on the left side of my knee. And I was embarrassed to go to like formal interviews because I ended up with a degree in international studies. Um, so I saw an ad in the paper to teach music and I was on crutches. That's why I was embarrassed to go to formal interviews. Sorry. And so, uh, I answered the ad and I, I mentioned this a little bit last night in the group chat, but literally the woman said, can you, do you know where metal C is? And I said, yes. And she threw some like beginner books at me and gave me some addresses. And she goes, okay, you start tomorrow. And I was like, what? And I had no background in teaching piano. I had no idea what to do. And she said, you just read the books and teach the kids. I'm like, okay. So that's how I started. And, um, but I learned some interesting things along the way. Like I had a four-year-old who I was teaching. And at that time I had no idea that a four-year-old was really young to teach piano. That was just the assignment. So I did it. And, um, I kept telling him, you have to read the music. Like you have to look at the music and unbeknownst to me, his older sister, who was so much wiser and had already gone through kindergarten, was consistently taunting him that he couldn't read and she could. And so that particular wording um, spurned a huge tantrum and where he slammed the piano down and said, I can't read and stomped off. (laughs) And that's when I learned that sometimes you have to alter your vocabulary. And I think that that was really the beginning of my love affair with teaching with kids and realizing that I really have to listen to them and hear what they're saying and read between the lines and try and make things interesting and fun for them. And my teaching philosophy hands down when it comes to working with other people is if you can't get it, it's my fault. If I can't figure out a way to explain it to you, it's my fault. 
you are so smart. You are a brilliant person. And I just have to figure out your language. So here I am 25 years later, and I did take some detours, but I had um, a close friend who was in the startup community with me die unexpectedly. And he and I always connected over music and he ran a music podcast out of Marin County and was very active in the music scene. And when he passed away, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going back to what I love, which is kids and music. And um, now I have about 50 people in my studio and I'd like to find ways to grow. But in order to do that, I need to find more teachers. Wow. What an interesting story with that four-year-old that you were teaching. I think it really is moments like that where we realize that we don't know everything or that we may have not been trained accurately or the right way necessarily of being taught. And a lot of teachers are realizing that right now when they had to switch online, because when they switched online, they went, oh, I can't write the counts in for them anymore. Right. Or do the things we're used to just kind of doing for the student. And it's just emphasized when you're online. Right. You find yourself, your voice is a lot more tired at the end of the day. That's for sure. I'd love to know, were you teaching online before COVID-19 last March? Was Were you starting to teach online or was COVID-19 a catalyst for getting you online? So it was, it was definitely the catalyst, but I literally had one lesson before that. Um, we were here in Michigan. There's a, a local conservatory that runs like their version of the guild, um, now I just lost the, the word, uh, where the kids prepare the songs and they're judged mm-hmm. the ratings, the festival, the, the festival. Yes. So, um, and it's a, a more cost-friendly option for teachers, especially for teachers like me who maybe have young students who haven't yet decided that this is what they really want to focus on or that they want to be so serious about it. And you asked me too, where I am, I'm located in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, which is a fairly affluent area. So these kids are overscheduled. You know, they have Mm. tennis and all the country club sports, tennis and golf and swimming and piano and everything, Kumon, everything to make them smarter, better, more well-rounded, the whole nine yards. So that doesn't leave a lot of time for piano practice. Um, So we were prepping for festival and we still hadn't heard, you know, what was going down. I think... I think it literally was the week of the festival here that all the schools shut down, all the universities mm-hmm. closed, and we were supposed to be held at a local university. So I had one parent with a kid that was sick and a kid that was not say, could you please do an online lesson this week so that Katie doesn't miss her class mm-hmm. for a festival? And I said, sure. And that was my preparation for teaching online. And then when COVID kind of got a little bit worse and worse through March, is that when you were, you decided it it needed to be a full-time online? So I literally did it overnight. We, I think classes were dismissed here on the 12th of March. Mm-hmm. That was a Thursday. The 13th, of course, everybody, you know, the kids are all sleeping in and staying home and nobody knows what's going on. Uh, so the 15th, I had my last two classes in person 
And that night I sent an email to everybody and said, we're going online. I said, we're going to have glitches. We're going to practice this week about how to set up the computer and how to connect. And I will work with you through it, but we're all going online. And nobody said boo. Oh, that's so great to hear. Yes. And I, that's something that I was trying to help teachers understand when March hit, <laughs> that you have to be the one to lead your pack. If you give them the option, hey, I'm going to teach online if you want. If you had said that, you uh -huh. probably would have had parents say, oh, no, thanks. You know, we'll come back to you later. But because right. you said, we're going online, it's going to be a little rough. I'll take care of you. They all went with you. That's amazing. They did. And, um... I also, when I sent the email, I, I said, realistically, you don't want me in your house. I said, I go from house to, I am a traveling teacher. So I said, I go from house to house to house. And if you get sick, it could very well be my fault. And I would not want to have that guilt. So nobody said anything. And, um, awesome. I did also offer some perks like, um, you know, if somebody was having a rough day and honestly, that's the really nice thing about being online is so, I mean, okay. I apologize to the guys in advance, but if you've got a 13 year old girl who's getting her period, she's having a rough day. Like, mm. and so it's really nice to have the option to go, you know, Sarah, you know what? This is not going to be a good day for you. I can already tell. <laughs> I've got, I've got a half hour on Thursday at three 30. Can you meet me then? And they're so thankful that, mm. that I have the flexibility now to do that in my schedule. Whereas when I was traveling, it was like, well, we just got to set up. It. Yeah. So more flexibility. What, what are some other benefits you've seen with your shift to online? Um, well, so the other thing that I ended up doing is I started hosting a pajama party, which I, stole there's a, a woman in another group who always I think does amazing things and she mentioned it in a forum that she was going to do that and I'm like okay I'm going to do that too so it was no cost to the parents just sign up and at that time I only had zoom for you know for free so it was 40 minutes I ended up posting three of them every week and one parent asked me she's like well what do you do at the pajama party. And I said, honestly, I have no clue. I don't know what we're going to do at the pajama party, but <laughs> it's 40 minutes of free virtual babysitting. Those kids were in that lesson. <laughs> so it was essentially a group class, group it piano a, party. Yep, a group class. And I think my favorite one so far to date is, so I've done things like name that tune. I've done hangman. We've done charades. We've done I, just, you know, all sorts of things, flashcards, of course. Um, but my favorite one is I did name that tune with classical songs and they all started freaking out. We don't know classical songs. We don't know the names. How can you do this to us, Miss Anna Marie? And I said, I said, I promise you, you're going to know them. I said, and I'm not even asking you to know the names. I just want you to raise your hand if you heard the song. And they were all really surprised at how many they knew. Interesting. So I'm, I'm just curious, did your, did your pajama party take the place of their lesson or this was just a bonus you were giving them? This was bonus. This was, <clears throat> Hey parents, I know you're totally stressed out about having your kids at home and not knowing what to do with them. 
some of our school districts were very good about getting curriculum going and doing things online and having a routine and other <clears throat> school districts could not get their act together. So, mm. so this was my way of trying to be sympathetic and understand and just do a value add for my kids. And honestly, the kids also kept coming back. They kept asking because I think, I don't know how the schools are run, but you know, I guess, you know, you have your classroom and you can, you're not really allowed to interact with your friends because you're in class. Whereas in the pajama party, they can talk to each other. I mean, they all ended up like sharing their favorite books. They talked about the movies they were watching, which was interesting, you know, because, because the parents are like grasping. until so we got back to the future, we, all these old things, you know, and then, um, they were all sharing their Minecraft handles so they could meet outside the class. So it really did some interesting things. That's so great. I think it's a good idea for teachers, even moving into fall when they do have a set schedule, things are going on, even if they just did something like that once a month, that yeah. it, you're giving your students a little bit of that social interaction that they still need and we can give that to them in our music studios I think we'll be surprised to see how they just want to chat with each other I love hearing that you're doing games and bingo and you know things that is helping them interact and have a little bit more fun than feel like it's so serious all the time right well and and it, I was so I was asked to speak to a group of Japanese teachers that have all like formed together about coronavirus and um, they were really surprised because I said, it doesn't always have to be about music. Like you're their only outlet. Let them talk, let them, you know, let them, let them have a little bit of time and then you can get back to the music, but mm. you don't have to be so strict. So I'd love to hear, how did you find the Teach Music Online Facebook group or course, or how did you kind of get into the sphere of my Teach Music Online brand? I think I found it on Facebook, but it was because I'm sure like everybody else, I was like plunged into teaching. And so I was looking for resources to help me. Um, and I ended up turning to you and Bradley Sowash, who's out mm -hmm. of, uh, Columbus. He ran like a, a small class, like a short, I think like a two session thing. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I don't, I don't want to say an overachiever. I, I liked Bradley's class, but I felt like I always want to know more. I always want to know as much as I can. So um, I kept looking and I found your, uh, your thing on Facebook and I attended I, the first session that you did. And then um, I just decided to drink the Kool-Aid and sign up. And so here I am. <laughs> but so I will, I will say that that I am pleased and surprised and that that you've really created this like cohesive group and and that all of us have input and that you're not claiming to be like the end all source I guess that you're open to other ideas which is not what I expected I well and because I was floundering too I'm like someone just tell me what to do <laughs> You know, it's so interesting because I do have a lot of experience. I've been teaching online for eight years, but everyone has such a different personality and different skill sets. And I mean, we're all so different. And I think that's such 
that's the benefit in having a network of teachers versus uh, one coach or even just one course that's just like speaking at teachers. So uh, for those listening, I started with the course and the course is fantastic. I had more than a thousand teachers get the course, but then I realized online teaching is this living, breathing thing that's changing constantly. And there's new tech coming out and new apps and new methods and new ideas. And that's why the membership, I think, has been so beneficial because we can kind of move with the changes. Right. No, it's it's amazing. And like I said, I bought the course. I signed up for the group. I bought, I have all the flavors of Kool-Aid right now. <laughs> so I want to transition into talking about beginner students. So you've mentioned you have this love for working with beginners. You're clearly skilled with it. Can you share with us a couple of ideas or a couple of methods that you've incorporated into online lessons that are working for you? Yeah, so um, I have started using a lot of resources from Teachers Pay Teachers, a teacher named Linda McPherson, and she does these PowerPoint games that the kids love. And they're, you know, they're like rhythm and listening to intervals and high sounds and low sounds or loud and soft and so especially with the young ones they're really fun games for them and they they ask, can we play that game again can we do that game again this week so um they're so it's a, is it a powerpoint that you are sharing your screen are you allowing them to have control of your mouse or are you clicking through everything for the student i'm clicking through for them to be honest I didn't know they could have control of my mouse so maybe we'll try that they can Um, actually if if they're on a desktop I believe only if they're on a desktop they can you can give them control and they can click around most of my kids are on tablets so um but so like for example uh steady beat is one that I'm using with a lot of my tiny ones and so it's so funny because even even if I say, can you clap to it? They're like, yeah, I can clap. To it. It's somebody like sucking water through a straw. I can clap to that. But if I say, can you march to it? Can you get up and march to it? They're like, oh no, I can't march to that. And so it's interesting even to find like that the clapping doesn't resonate with them, but the marching does. That's the whole body movement mm. that works with the small ones. So, um, so I really like those games. Again, that's Linda McPherson. If anybody wants Linda to McPherson. Okay. Yeah. But also what you're saying and what you're teaching us is that we could do off the bench things with our students. That yes. is one of the number one re the question that comes back and back again is all these teachers that have gathered all these resources over the years that get their students away from the piano and they're going, but how do I do this online? <laughs> So even I have another one when uh, we're talking about why you have to curl your fingers. And so I make them run across the room and I say, okay, first you have to run across the room with your legs straight. And then you have to run back to me with your legs bent. And now tell me which one is easier. And of course the legs bent, but they're, I don't see them for a minute. I mean, they're going back and forth. <clears throat> and then of course you get, you know, kids who are antsy who are like, let me try that one more time just to make sure I know the answer. <laughs> um, but that also helps illustrate, you know, why you have to have curved fingers versus straight fingers. That's and so great. I, I'm still using lots of things that I would use in person, but I've just tweaked them a little bit 
so that we can do them. And my favorite moment teaching so far is I have, I have two kids who I've really had to struggle with teaching because they, they just didn't like lessons in the beginning and their parents were adamant that they had to take them. So one boy, um, everything is about sports. So I have figured out, like, I found sports songs. We've talked, like, uh, Carolyn Miller writes um, a book called Sportacular, which is great for boys. And everything is, like, it's dozen a day, just reformatted for boys. That's all it is. Or, or sports lovers. But there's a basketball unit, a baseball unit, track and field, extreme adventure sports, and soccer. And so, like, for example, to talk about staccato, that one's called dribbling. So it's the same motion as when you're dribbling a basketball. Oh, cool. So for that one student, and I do end up using it with boys and sporty girls, um, that really resonates with him. Like he gets that concept. And so uh, we were working on a song and I really wanted him to memorize it. And so I'll illustrate. I, he's sitting at the piano, right? And I'm like, okay, now, now you have to play it without looking at your music. And he goes, okay. So his face was off the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it without looking at my music. And I was like, look at that. He's like having fun now in piano. That was a great moment for me. Oh, I love it. It's, it's such a good realization or not even realization, but hurdle we have right. to get over with some students where it's a little bit stiff at first. We have to find ways to break the ice. And I almost find it easier to do that online because I, I feel like I'm more of a traditional teacher. I don't have tons and tons of games that I've collected over the years. Right. But when they're in person, they're, they're more stiff because they're nervous, but when they're online, they're in their own house, they're at their own piano, they're in their own environment. And it's a right. little bit easier for me to get them to be silly with me. <laughs> right. Um, shoot, I was gonna share. Oh, you know, and the other thing that I've been doing, uh, because they miss you, right? Like if you've been teaching in person, they, they really do miss seeing you. Like I get little ones and they're like, I wish, I wish you could be here, Miss Anna Marie. <laughs> And so instead of sending my books to the kids, like when they're leveling up, I actually take the books to the house and ring the doorbell and stand outside and oh, have a that's conversation. Fun. So I know that that might be a little bit of a waste of time, but really how much am I, I'm not spending hardly anything on gas or mileage these days. So. Yeah, that's so great. I've heard of teachers doing things like that or when they have a recital, maybe send, sending a little gift for participating in the recital or a basket of manipulatives for their new students if they're in your area. I know a lot of teachers right. are starting to expand, but why not if they're in your area? That's so right. great. Well, and I mean, as you expand, why not send them a little care package too? Like, um, oh my, I can't remember. Somebody in our group, and I feel so bad, I apologize to who you are right at this moment, created <laughs> a beautiful like Zoom recital certificate. Do you remember that? Melissa and, Willis. Melissa. And then she shared so generously with everybody. And so I used that certificate and then I created, um, I found like these clear plastic pouches on Amazon. And so I put pencils in there and a sucker and that Zoom recital like a postcard and um I made pencil clips for everybody and and that was their 
along with their certificate that was their little package but it doesn't have to be big oh and stickers because i'm a big proponent of putting stickers on your books like when you finish them or your you know your pages so i'm always sending the kids new batches of stickers since i oh, can't oh i it's creative it's fun it's just being rolling with the chaos that's right. the, the the phrase that's coming it's just being aware of what's happening in the world and going that's just fine i'm gonna do my thing anyway and that's what a lot of teachers are finding ways to do you're such a great example of that something else you mentioned is that you really love thinking about and incorporating ways to help develop your students brain and yes. how how to incorporate some more maybe thinking and can you tell us a little bit more about that? So, I don't know. I don't know that I'm being quite as active as you're claiming that I'm being, <laughs> but, but I, okay. So there's this, um, infographic that I'm sure everybody's seen, right? It's like, it's a huge this long is, infographic and mm -hmm. there's for those listening. So some will just be listening to this. It's the, hold it up one more time. It's the infographic that says, this is your brain on piano. Yeah. And it just is a visual of what's happening to your brain each part of your brain when you are playing the piano. So, um, so then there's a second page that says piano lessons are good for you and your brain. And it, it cites all these different reasons about how piano lessons help children excel. So like, for example, it says children who have taken three years of piano instruction have significantly higher self-esteem than children who are not enrolled in piano lessons. Um, there's another one about cognitive benefits. There's another one about like, Children who have had piano lessons for six months already show better, better memory recall than students who haven't. And there's, there's all these different benefits that you get from uh, studying piano. So while my super sporty kid I know is never going to be a, have like a career in piano, he's getting so many benefits from playing piano that if I can at least get him to play piano for three years... I know that I have made a distinct impact on his brain development and his future. And that's, that's really my goal. I feel like many teachers that I talk to, um, in the Metro Detroit area are, you know, have, have degrees and they're, they're very traditional and rigid sometimes for smaller students. Like they're just too, they can't, be mobile or versatile because this is how a piano lesson should be. This is what we do. This is where you start. This is what you have to accomplish. And I, like I said, um, I didn't have that training. And for a long time, I would, I would beat myself up about that because I'd go and meet with these groups and I'd feel inferior. And then I happened to be, um, at a presentation with Randy Faber and we were talking and he said, maybe that's why you do so well, because you don't have a preconceived notion of what a piano lesson looks like. And I went, oh, that's interesting. And I think really that was the first moment where I started to take ownership of being a piano teacher and realizing what kind of impact I could have on kids that, that even if I am not a great piano teacher in terms of like taking somebody all the way through to the 12th level of festival. I have a great impact on kids when they're young. And if I do meet the next Bach, Mozart, Beethoven, whoever it is, I, now I have the connections to send them somewhere else. 
and, and say, you know, I have loved teaching you, but honestly, you need more than me now. Mm. I, I love this idea because I think probably 90% of the parents who have students who want lessons are that exactly what you're explaining. They need right. the brain development. They need the engagement. They need the mentorship. They need the friendship, the community, the social aspect, the learning how to, they need all of those things. Then we have those, the 10% of students who really could go far and have that amazing musical ability that we all know who those students are and whether or not we can take them there or not, that's fantastic. But being able to mold yourself into something that is for like we've talked about already, the skill set that you have. If you don't have that skill set of taking a student, you know, all the way into college auditions, there is nothing wrong with that. There are right. so, so many other beginner students that want a fun, loving teacher who's able to engage them in creative ways. Right. I, yeah. And I, like for a long time, I had a hard time not reconciling myself, but but understanding that I also had a purpose in this whole piano momentum. And, uh, and I think that I have very different conversations with my parents than other people do. Like I had one, one parent who would hurt their kid was having a really rough time and she started having like all these nervous tics. And so it, it would start with touching her nose and then it morphed to like snapping and just all these anxiety things. And I was in on that. Like the parents would talk to me about that. How did you feel the lessons went? How did she do in lessons? And, and, you know, I, when we were meeting in person, I would, we would go to the movies and I have bigger relationships with a lot of my students than just that half hour. Well, Anna Marie, this has been so amazing and fun. I just, I always love getting to know teachers and what makes them who they are because we all have stories and experiences and people in our lives and mentors like you mentioned, Randy Faber and meeting him and just these touch points that turn you into right. who you are. So you're clearly passionate about teaching, about your career, despite the roadblocks you may have faced along the way. So I'm just curious, what what keeps you going why do you teach? Why do you continue doing this even when life gets hard, when, you know, you've had a challenging summer, a few summer months, but what, what is it that motivates you? Okay. So not, not to get too personal and too cheesy, but I always picture myself having a big family and lots of kids and I was never able to have children. So these are my kids. And and I very much look at, I mean, we all have days where like, oh my God, I do not want to teach today. But I find if I just get myself there and get to the first lesson, I'm in. These are my kids and they need me and I need them. And I'm interested and I want to know what's going on in their lives. And, you know, when my 12 year old finds the first cute guy that she's interested in, or my five year old realizes that five plus five makes 10 that, that it's not just five. And, and I love sharing all those moments with them over and over at all the different stages. So. Thank you so much. It was so great to chat with you, Anna Marie. Thank you. <laughs> If you are wanting to learn more about how to be an amazing, engaging online teacher, head over to teachmusic.online and join the membership. 
Inside the membership, I have an entire course about engaging your students online. I'll teach you exactly how to screen share your methods, use free websites online, screen share apps, and do games visually. In the course, I also include several videos specifically about working with your young students, which I know is a very common challenge. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe on the podcast for a brand new episode every Monday. One more quick thought. When you're feeling overwhelmed or your tech fails you, remember that you are amazing and that you are providing music to students during a really challenging time in the world. They need you so badly right now and they need music to make their lives a little bit brighter. You're amazing and you've got this. Take a deep breath when you are faced with these challenges that come when you're trying to figure out how to teach online. I hope that you have a wonderful week and as always, happy teaching.